Interior designers are creative, imaginative, artistic individuals who combine an aesthetic vision with practical skills to create a functional living space. And today on I Want to Be A, where we walk our starry-eyed job seekers through the reality of how to get their dream jobs or career, we're going to look at the interior designer. And joining us to talk about this is Alvin Heitman, and he is a design consultant with Ethan Allen. Alvin, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Now, I'm just wondering, what attracted you to this industry when you got started? I have always had an interest in home furnishings, Mm -hmm. home decor, making things look beautiful. Mm -hmm. I majored in history. Really? Yeah. And so a big field of study, uh, when I did my semester abroad in Germany, Mm -hmm. included art and architecture in Germany. And so studying classical periods, classical homes, I've always been interested in those types of homes and those types of decors. And it really, even as a young person, fascinated me what people were doing and how they were creating their living spaces around them. And a lot of those period designs and the meaning of the furniture is translated even today, even though we've lost some of the meaning of some of the designs, they're still very applicable and they're very current with a lot of people. And it's something that you can do that is artistic mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a practical sort of way. And I think that's what I enjoy about it is that there's an artistry in the practical. Okay. How did you translate your degree in history to interior design? <laughs> well, for me, it was really a lot about the meaning of furniture. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize how many different things. I'll give you a couple of examples uh, that translate from art and that might be something that people would be familiar with. Um, In French design, French provincial furniture, uh, in a lot of even English furniture, you'll see a soft S curve Mm -hmm. along the front of a piece of furniture. Sometimes it'll be a double reverse S where they're facing each other. In the Middle Ages in Western society, this was considered the perfect form or the most ideal form, the most attractive form. If you look at medieval sculpture and paintings, any kind of religious paintings, you will see that the saints, the Madonnas, are often painted in an S shape. Their heads are tilted, their shoulders are over, their hips are Mm -hmm. back in this soft S position. Nobody can humanly stand that way, but it was considered (laughs) to be that form of perfection. Mm -hmm. So that was then brought into furniture, and it's a very soothing appearance. One of the things that's very common in English furniture, especially if you see from the Queen Anne period, is brass-plated hardware, and it looks kind of like a bat design, Mm -hmm. an ornate bat design. This was actually stolen from the Chinese by the English. The bat was a symbol of good luck to the Chinese, and it was incorporated into Western furniture. And I think Knowing those historical meanings of furniture helps to give meaning to the pieces in somebody's home. So for me, incorporating all those different periods, it also gives you the ability to mix periods when you are working with a client. The knowledge of all the different eras helps you to ease them together, what's going to work together, the different scales. Different periods of furniture have different scales Mm -hmm. based on historical movements. For instance, when the Earlier, it's French furniture that's still popular today. People often talk about Louis XIV or Louis XV or Louis XVI. Even and as a furniture person, you'll know this, but you have to also know that there's a historic connection to that. Under Louis XIV, the French were very, very strong. They were centralizing their government. They were creating a very strong entity as, as France. 
And the furniture of the Louis XIV period tends to be much larger in scale. It's heavier. It's bolder. Mm -hmm. It has a more sharp design to it. And it is it is meant to express the strength of France at sure, that time. Definitely. And as you move through the Louis XV and into the Louis XVI periods, you'll notice the furniture gets more feminine. It gets softer. It gets smaller in scale as they were more comfortable with who they were and they were getting more artistic. And it's more expressive of the feelings of the period in time. That's all very interesting. And I, I, I imagine that it does help a lot when you're designing a space to know, okay, we want to have this kind of feeling when you enter the room, so we should use this kind of furniture from this period exactly. to emulate that. Exactly. Or, I mean, and that also goes for the modern periods. Mm -hmm. In the beginning of modern, I mean, what a lot of people don't realize, the beginning of modern furniture is not something that happened in the 1930s, but in the 1830s. With the Biedermeyer movement is when you really first start to see clean lines in the modernist style coming up for the first time. So it's it's definitely a long period. And that's why you can use Biedermeyer pieces with Bauhaus style mm -hmm. with things from the <laughs> 1950s. There is a relationship to all of those. Very interesting. So tell us about what you're doing now today. Okay. So currently I work for Ethan Allen in Brookfield, mm -hmm. Wisconsin. We okay. are serving the entire you know, southeastern Wisconsin area, although I do also work with clients in other states okay. as we do work as we are a national company. Mm -hmm. So I have recently done condos in Hilton Head and Miami oh, uh, nice. for clients that live in our area, as well as doing things up north, Green mm -hmm. Lake and Door County. But the majority of the business is obviously in the greater Milwaukee area. And at Ethan Allen, I am working as a design consultant. I am at our design center five days a week. Mm -hmm. always on Saturdays, Monday evenings. And I work with clients from everything from very small things to very big. Okay. What's going on with them can be as simple as we need a new lamp and they could go anywhere and buy a lamp. But at Ethan Allen, when they come in, we're going to sit them down and <laughs> find out what the solution is mm -hmm. to that problem. Do they need a lamp for task lighting? Do they need for a lamp for ambient lighting? Mm -hmm. Is it just simply to fill a space? What does that lamp need to do for them? And then what kind of style is it? So that, that they really get the full advantage. And oftentimes, if we have something that appeals to them and does is the solution to their problem, take that lamp out and try it in their space with them to make sure that it's the correct thing before they purchase that. That's going to be on the small end. And that could be a lamp. It could be accessories. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be artwork the finishing touches on a room. And sometimes it's a very small thing, but it's very important that their home does what it needs to do. And right. these things like that, two full-on projects where you're completing a whole entire master bedroom suite, or mm -hmm. you are doing a whole living room or family room, and sometimes even cases an entire home, and you're coordinating with them. What is important is that their tastes shine through and to help them as an interior designer, it's kind of a twofold job. It's helping people to express their own tastes in their home, right. which they often have a hard time doing. Mm -hmm. They know things they like, but they're not comfortable putting it together. But also providing them with complete information for them to make a good decision about what it is they're purchasing or how they're furnishing their home. And I think that's really key in being a good interior designer is to provide them that with that information so that they can make good choices mm -hmm. for their home. And it often, it often involves asking a lot of questions that they may not have considered. Which 
direction does the natural light come from in this room? Right. How is that going to affect furniture placement? How is the lighting in this room going to be used? Who's using this room? How are they using it? There's just a, a whole field of questions that people don't think about that are outside of style, mm-hmm. you know, but they're very important components to how you lay out a room, how you furnish a room so that people really enjoy it. So would you say that being a good people person and having those skills to really talk with people and figure out what they like? And I, as an interior designer, I have to imagine that there's a lot of people that come in. They're just like, I don't know what I want. Here's my space. Make it beautiful. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And then you you take on that challenge. And you do have to be somebody who can relate and listen to people. We have a wonderful system of helping us to learn how to identify certain characteristics or traits of people so that we can work with them effectively. Okay. That's kind of our in-house system mm-hmm. of, of, you know, identifying clients and what their needs are going to be so that we can work with them in their sphere, in their, mm-hmm. to their wishes. And I think we often joke about being interior designers, couples counseling, psychotherapy. <laughs> um, That's funny. Because we have to remember that unlike in a previous life I had, had worked with Commercial interiors. Mm -hmm. Commercial interiors are very subjective. They have a specific function. There has to be a desk and a light and a place to store things, and it has to be pleasant for people to come to work. But And there's definitely a set budget, and here's what it is. In people's homes, it's very – excuse me, before it was objective. There's a certain Mm -hmm. object that's being – in people's homes, it's very subjective. It's very emotional for them Mm -hmm. and that this is the space they're going to be in every day. So it's really important that they enjoy it. And so when somebody comes and says, make it look beautiful, you have to find out, you have to find out from them what makes beautiful to them. Right. Because everyone is going to have a different opinion of that. Just like everybody has a different idea of what turquoise means. Yeah. You know, <laughs> People every, see shades differently. So. Absolutely. So you have to find out from them. And a lot of that is done through questions. Sometimes there's, you know, physical ex- uh, assignments as mm-hmm. in, you know, I want you to view a number of images, see which ones appeal to you that help us to help them define their style and what, right. what, what will work. So I want to visit something that you mentioned. You said in a previous life you were in commercial design and now you're, are you more focusing on residential? Completely residential at this point. So how does it really differ? And if, you know, we're thinking of, you know, a college student how would they kind of what what should they look at with commercial and residential as far as you know career path what it's going to be like on a day to day absolutely and this actually comes up often enough as we have interns who work with us at Ethan Allen who are considering the commercial path versus the residential path in interior design with commercial interior design you have very specific goals mm-hmm. very specific budgets uh very specific needs and as I said, it's very objective. You have a space that needs to be filled. You have 20 people have to work in the space. You have an executive office. You have a secretary's office. And you have the other people in the team who might need to be in there. You have very defined needs. Each of them needs X amount of filing space. They all need to have some kind of task lighting. They all need an ergonomic chair, as this is something that has really grown. There's a number of things in commercial space, which not only includes office space, but also medical spaces, which is really big at Mm -hmm. this point with the growth in the industry for assisted living and uh, rehab living. There's a lot of different things that are in there, as well as commercial space can also be 
uh, any kind of restaurants or, or hospitality type spaces. Sure. But all of those, you're going to be working most likely with a committee or with a purchasing office. And the color schemes are more sedate. Uh, they're very similar. They're very much based on style and their specific needs and outlines. It's a little bit more full, fill in the blank, but it can be very, very satisfying for a lot of people. There are, of course, exceptions in very high-end hotels who have a very unique look. But for a lot of commercial design, it's more utilitarian. But I know a lot of designers who really enjoy doing that kind of work, and it feels very satisfying for them to really have a great functional space that also is appealing to the people who are working in it. With residential design, as I said, it's much more emotional. Mm -hmm. These are people's homes. They often have pieces of furniture or mementos of their past they want to work into places. And it's a little bit more time consuming mm -hmm. in terms of what you have to do. And for some interior designers, it's frustrating because they don't have that established goal at the end. Sure. It's much more nebulous. Mm -hmm. But for people like me, and I think a lot of interior designers, that sense of satisfaction when you know that people are really enjoying the spaces. Um, I think of a client in Brookfield who we redesigned their entire living room. And when they started the project, they said, well, you know, we never really use this room, but we'd like to do something with it so it looks good. <laughs> so we put it together and they said, about two months afterwards, they saw them again and they said, we never sit in our family room now because we love <laughs> sitting in our living room. That's awesome. That must be a great feeling. It is. And that's the kind of thing that really is exciting. And when you're there, when clients get the rooms together and you're mm -hmm. putting the finished touches and you can tell they're just really excited, it really, really is a great sense of accomplishment. People ask me what I do and I say, you know, I work for Ethan Allen. I do interior design. We're making the world a better place one room at a time. Oh, that's awesome. So that's, that's awesome. So speaking of kind of, um, you know, what you get out of it, like emotionally and that sense of well-being, what do you think a person as far as like qualities and attributes needs to have to be really successful as an interior designer? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I th was thinking about that. I think you have to be generally positive. Mm -hmm. I think you have to be a really good listener. You have to listen for the cues from your client on a number of levels. You need to listen to the clues from your client as to what is going to appeal to them, what is appealing to them when you're presenting it to them, what kind of things that they need. But you also need to be aware of the clues when you're being successful, that you are hitting the mark with them and when they're ready to move forward. Mm -hmm. I've seen designers who, whose clients are like, okay, I'm ready to sign the line and they move on to something else rather than complete a, you know, commit to a project. So right. you do have to really be able to read people and read the clues that they're giving you. And you learn how to do that. And you need to learn how to, or you need to be the kind of person that's very accepting of a lot of different styles. Oftentimes people will come to me and they'll say, well, well, that's just, that's just ugly and awful. Well, <laughs> okay, you know, it, it might not appeal to you, mm -hmm. but you need to learn to appreciate all the different styles. And if you can't appreciate all the different styles, you will have a hard time meeting all the different clients, some of those who may have a, a style that's different from yours. So you have to be able to appreciate those different styles and mm -hmm. people. And you also have to be able to, and this is something that I was thinking about when, about this, you have to be able to separate yourself from the design. Okay. You have to remember it is someone's home. And if they don't like something, it's not that they don't like you or that or that particular item. It just doesn't appeal to them. And you mm -hmm. can't be offended by that because it's their home. And I often have to use that same phrase with clients and say, 
You need to tell me if something is not appealing to you because this is your home. Every morning, you have to see this. I don't. You're not going to hurt my feelings by saying you don't like something. And I think that's very, some people have a hard time separating themselves from the design. They fall so in love with what they put together for a client, they get hurt feelings when somebody doesn't like it. Mm. And they don't, you'll have a hard time being successful if that's that's your personality. Now, kind of speaking about style that you had mentioned, that makes me think of you need to understand style, so you need to go somewhere so you can understand it. Are there certain colleges or programs that you would that are really just like stand out in the industry? Like this is where all the best people go to get the best education mm. to be successful. I don't know that I could list mm-hmm. any particular school that is known specifically for this. And the industry as a whole is changing. Okay. There are some wonderful programs out there, like in our area. Mm-hmm. Um, Myad has a one, or the Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design mm-hmm. has a program in interior design. Mount Mary has a program in interior design. Waukesha County has, at their technical college, has a wonderful two-year degree in interior design where you learn the basic of things. These are things in our area, and this is across the country. Right. So you see you have small private institutions to public institutions that are providing degrees in this. And I think there's many strong, strong schools across the country, but there's a number of schools like Harrington in okay. Chicago, which are moving away from an interior design program to an interior architecture program, where the people who are learning interior design are also learning a lot about the details of architecture and where to play in HVAC systems and different other electrical systems so that they know how to be able to do both and work hand in hand with architects. Because there's a growing field now where Architects and interior designers are working in the same firm to create a more attractive home. And this is really something that's been pushed by huge architects, people who were practicing architects since the Second World War, but is really starting to show up now. Okay. So there's, I, while I can't think of any particular schools that I would name mm-hmm. that are out there, but just like any other field, there's a lot of people that come from different fields. Like I come from studying history. To me, the history of historic homes, historic movements and periods helps me to be a really good interior designer. Other people who might have art backgrounds or because I know a number of people who you know studied art mm-hmm. really helps them because they are able to process and work with color in amazing ways. I know somebody who had a fashion and textile background. This is also a really key element of interior design. So there's a number of fields that people come from that they actually end up moving into interior design and it's very helpful very for interesting. them. Now, are there any um, organizations that you should join if you're looking to really establish yourself as a professional in the industry? I think that there are a number of really excellent organizations that are out there and it really depends on which field that you want to go into. Okay. ASID, the American Society of Interior Designers, mm-hmm. is something that is probably the most blanket organization. Okay. The Interior Design Society, IDS, is also another one. And there are also some commercial organizations as well, mm-hmm. which I'm not as up to. Some of them have merged <laughs> recently. Uh, so I'm not yeah. as up to that because I have, it's been, ooh, it's been a well over 16 years since I've been really involved in any of the commercial. But they're out there. So that's all we need to know. Now, just kind of thinking, because a lot of our listeners are college students or people who maybe they're from other industries or looking to get into this. 
Could you ballpark compensation of what you would be looking to receive, you know, from, you know, when you start to when you're really well off and established? Again, this is <laughs> this is one of these questions which I, I thought about and I think is really a good question and it's a good idea to what you're going into. And it really depends because so much of interior design work is as a self-starter. So it's mm-hmm. really what you put into it. And, you know, at a starting salary for a lot of people is probably going to be anywhere from thirty to $50,000, depending on whether they're working independently or if they're working for an organization like Ethan Allen. Mm-hmm. As you become more established, your client base grows. Recommendations are so key to us. So okay. it's really important to do that. And, you know, we have, I would say, you know, a lot of the average interior designers are probably going to be making somewhere between sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year. But we have some people who work part-time who really only in the field who work part-time who really only maybe make, you know, thirty or $40,000 a year and are happy with that because this is a supplementary income to them. Whereas we have, you know, superstars who, you know, can easily make six figures in a year. At Ethan Allen, we have people like this. Mm-hmm. Our last year's largest writer, her business was well over $4 million, which probably equated to a take-home salary of over $400,000. But there are superstar interior designers, some who you see on TV, who obviously probably generate an income of well over a million dollars a year. This is, you know, definitely the top echelons, though. Mm-hmm. You know, for the majority of people, though, it's not difficult to make $100,000. You know, we're running out of time today, but I did want to ask you a couple more quick-hitting questions. Okay. Um, so what do you absolutely love about your career? I think it's the fulfillment when you see people being really happy in their home. Mm-hmm. That is just the best. It's the people. Now, on the flip side of that, what do you dislike or do you just find extremely challenging about it? What is it? It's also <laughs> probably the people um, in that sometimes they don't understand that in a world today where things go very quickly. Mm-hmm. You walk in, you get your new phone, you get a new phone every year, you get a car, you walk in, you get instant gratification. The furniture industry, furniture still has to be made. It takes Drapery a while. has to be sewn. So there's a, there's a delay time of eight to 12 weeks and people can find that frustrating. And there's always issues where a fabric may be discontinued or mm-hmm. a frame is no longer available or that drapery hardware, they ran out before they got to our order. And this is disconcerting and people have a hard time accepting it. And oh. it's and it's frustrating for us too because we don't want to disappoint anybody. Mm-hmm. But it is something to work around. And you know, with clients, you can't necessarily express this. But my rule to keep myself on an even keel is there's no such thing as a furniture emergency when it really boils down to it. So that's how you can make sure that your customer stays calm as well mm-hmm. and going on there. But that can be the toughest thing is disappointment when somebody has like that kind of no longer available to them. Mm-hmm. So last question here. If you're in the shoes of a job seeker, a college student, someone thinking about going into this industry, what would you say to them as pieces of advice or recommendations? I definitely think people who are studying interior design already or college students who are thinking mm-hmm. about entering into this field, do an internship with both a commercial firm and a residential firm if you can to get a feel for what they're doing. Take a look at people who are in that field, maybe discuss it with them. If you, you, it might not be surprising that you know somebody who already works in that field, get a feel for it. And also I would say, take a look at what you do. Are you the kind of person who already fusses at somebody else's house, you mm-hmm. know, and does things <laughs> I mean, just put a this pillow better? here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do those small things where you know 
you want to help them Mm -hmm. because I think that's a big part of what it is, is helping other people. You know, it's not being a nurse. I couldn't do that. I don't have those skills, but it is a way of helping people and making their lives more joyous. And with that said, we will wrap up today's show of I Want to Be A. We've been speaking with Alvin Heitman and he's from Ethan Allen. Alvin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Now, if you're looking to find more employment-related shows like I Want to Be A, simply head over to aljanradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, send our team an email at aljanradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm your host, Katie Chesney with Aljan Radio, and I wish you the best of luck with your career. 